Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. I'm Dr. Ellen Leica, and I've got a very special guest today. His name is Travis Belanger. Is that pronounced correctly? That is, yeah. Great, good. I thought I got the French accent right there. Travis is a dynamic coach, speaker, and founder of Men on Fire. I met Travis when I was at a 10 talk. Oh, geez, it must have been six months ago before COVID. So that's that's almost like a, a lifetime ago, Travis. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, Travis helps men ignite their life and reclaim their passion and purpose. And that's really what excited me when I met Travis. Took us up till now, though, to get him on our show because he's been busy and I've been busy. I, I thought COVID was supposed to slow us down, Travis. Has it? Yeah, but uh, no, not that's been busy. I'm busier than ever. That's right. So Travis is in the art of helping men redefine themselves, identify themselves, change their internal dialogue. He realized this when he went through some struggles himself, and he realized there was a better path, and that men were missing part of it. And let's go into some of those struggles, Travis. What made you? see the light so to speak well what it was was uh many years ago uh when i got divorced uh, in 2006 and i was looking for support tonight there was really nothing for men out there there was nothing like you can go for see a psychologist but there's nothing in the way of groups or counseling or anything that i could find in my hometown and so that's a big struggle because when you go through something like that you mean drinking didn't solve the problem? <laughs> nope. <laughs> what about drugs? They're supposed to be the answer for everything. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and I and I saw lots of that. And I saw I worked in the oil field for six or seven years, and then I and then I got into the uh, welding as, as I'm a welder as a tradesman, a tradesman, and I saw all of those things: the drugs, the alcohol, the abuse, all that kind of stuff. And I thought, this is crazy. Like, there's just so much stuff that people turn to and you know that's why they need help and there's you know there's only so much a guy can do on his own so that's right that's where I was kind of like all right and and then as I proceeded my progressed in my career I was like okay there's got to be more to this and I found that more and more that I was actually helping guys out so I wanted to expand on that some more so yeah and I can understand that Travis uh, you know Men, you know, I, I think in this day and age, men have a much harder goal than ever before. I mean, when I was a kid, a man was supposed to be the head of the family. He was supposed to be the leader of everything. He was yeah. supposed to shut up and put up. You know, he never talked about emotions or anything like that. He was just supposed to do everything. He was supposed yeah. to be the breadwinner. He was supposed to be the heroic person in the family. Yeah. But, you know, shit happens. And who do you turn to when that happens? Yeah, you're supposed to be the stoic one, the solid one, right? You're the rock. Yeah, and, and that is where I think there's some big disconnect with what goes on in society. I, I think all the stuff of men being put on a pedestal 
uh, at, in those old days. And what we're expecting of men now is quite different. So what does society really think about men now? Why, how has it changed? Well, we're still the doers, right? We, uh, we go out there, we work, we provide, we're the, we're the breadwinners a lot of part of the, a lot of the time. And, and if you're not the breadwinner, now, now we have this other conflicting issue on the other side. So what if the woman's a breadwinner? Well, what's the identity of the guy then? Now he's not the breadwinner. Now he's not the foundation of the rock. And guys have kind of lost their identity because they're like, they don't know any other way to be. My, yeah, our parent, that, my that's dad the was tough a, thing about all this is we, and what are the biggest myths about men now that you might've grown up with? Well, you know, that you're supposed to be stoic and unemotional and you're, you're supposed to just take it, like you said, and suck it up and, you know, get out there and work and, and you're just supposed to be able to work and work and work and work. And you're not supposed to have that connection to your family, your kids and your friends, but that's not the reality. And that's why we have so many problems with men abusing themselves, abusing women, you know, women aren't picking up guns and shooting people. It's men that are picking up guns and shooting people. So that's the problem is just crazy. And you can't ignore that. that it's there. The stat, the statistics are there. Yeah. And I, I think they're scary statistics. And I, I think a lot is, has gone wrong with all this. And then there's the other end of the spectrum too, Travis, that I become aware of that men, when they hit the age of 65, when they stop being the breadwinner, they lose their identity. They really yeah. don't have an identity anymore because yeah. they have been the breadwinner all their lives. And yeah. all of a sudden, that's gone. Yeah. So there's this whole other world they have to adapt to. And that's a scary adaption. That doesn't, that's not an easy thing. Yeah. And the statistics around that when guys get older and, they're, and they retire is they talk about, you know, there's divorce in young people, but there's actually a higher divorce rate when people retire because all of a sudden these two people don't know who each other are. And now you're, you want your partner wants to connect with you. Well, if you're not used to connecting for 40 years because you've been driving a truck for 40 years or building houses for 40 years, and all of a sudden you need to be more present and more emotional than ever before. It's supposed to be your golden years. But if you're, you know, unattached, unemotional, unaware, how golden is that? I think, you know, since COVID's come on and people have supposed to stay home for two months, I'll guarantee, I'll guarantee the amount of divorces are going to go up even more. Yeah. Because I, I think people of, you know, when you have social fabric, when you have people around you, when you're doing things out there, there are other resources. But all of a sudden that changed. It changed yeah. overnight. Well, not only did it change for the, for the work, but now you can't go out and get help. You're not supposed to. You can't go just talk to somebody. You can't go physically see somebody and talk to them anymore. No. So, and if you do, you're doing it virtually. And it's not quite the same to do things virtually as it is in real life. It just doesn't have the same fabric. Yeah. And that's a, the sad part. Of, I mean, we have to embrace the technology, but I've been saying for a couple of years now that it's literally the most organic way people connect nowadays because so many people don't connect at all. They just, people have been isolating for a long time and, and closing themselves off and not being connected. And it's unfortunate, but it really is a lot of the, the biggest connection people get nowadays is, is virtually, right? Yeah, I, I think all this is very real and I think it's important to to realize that what's gone on in our life is 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 quite different over the years. You know, 
I'm wearing a pink shirt today. You're wearing a shade of pink shirt today. Wasn't it something that men were never supposed to wear pink? Right. Yeah. Black, blue, brown, you know, denim. Today I'm talking to a lot of women guests, so I like to wear my pink shirt on what I call women days because women do like men in pink. Uh, But, you know, before all this, pink used to be a man's color. It used to be the masculine color of royalty in the 16th and 17th centuries. And all of a sudden we lost that because yeah. it, was, it was gone to the blue and blue was the only color you were supposed to wear. Blue is for boys, pink is for girls. How many times have you heard that as a myth? Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, as I tell everybody, you know, it takes a real man to wear pink. Uh, you know, Many years ago, when I started wearing pink, I thought it was very unnatural, and I, and I did not feel comfortable in pink. It was a color that I just couldn't wear. Yeah, well, and, and pink for a while there in the '80s was uh, when acid wash came out. It was hot pink and acid wash, and the guy, you know, if you're a man enough to wear it, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, there's a couple of other things here too that I want to touch on. Now, what you're talking about is men are different. So how should men now think about developing personally? Well, I think a a good start is recognizing if you're in a partnership with somebody, recognizing that you don't have to have all the answers and that, and that asking your partner for some help is not a sign of weakness. Um, Being vulnerable, you know, because we wear these masks all day long. Like you go to a job site, you're not going to be vulnerable and talk about your relationship. Most guys will go and complain about, things in their life rather than talk about their, uh, I mean, most emotional stuff in a guy's life is with his partner or his kids and, and they don't want to show that vulnerability. So they hold this stoic, they wear their stoic man mask. Right. And so examining that and realizing that it's okay to be emotional, maybe have a conversation and not be afraid to cry in front of your kids at a movie or, or tell your partner, Hey, what, you know, is there anything else that you need from me? Is there something I can do? What, what can I do to be a better person for you? Because most men aren't going to ask that question. The, the men. Yeah, and that's a, those know. are tough questions. You know, when I was a kid, you used to be thought to be a sissy to say anything about emotions. I mean, yeah. you fall down, you get tackled on the football field, you don't cry. You get up, you blow it off. You know, when I was a kid, I'm sure I probably had some concussions. But did you ever think you'd stop for a minute when your head hurt a little bit? or yeah. your knees hurt a little bit, or you, you got the wind knocked out of you, you know, you'd go and suck it up and go and do it again. You know, yeah. it's, it was the part of growing up that was, you know, like the wild, wild west. You were the hero. You were the person. You fall off your horse, you get back on it. You know, yeah. that's the only way. You don't talk about it. You just get yeah. back on it. You do it. Well, and the thing, too, like with guys, and I'm sure you've seen this in your career, is that how often do you see men before they're in their, before they're 40 or 50? Like my own dad, was the same way. He didn't want to go to the doc. He hated going to the doctors and why women go to the doctors all the time, but men wait till there's now we have problems when they get there. And then you have to figure out, you know, well, doc, why can't you fix me? Well, for 40 years, you ignored your body and now you want me to fix you. Like you're a little late on the, you know, the oil change. 
Yeah, my my grandfather used to say, "You just go to the hospital to die. That's where you right? go. It's it's not the place you go to get better. It's where you go to die." Yeah. And, uh, to a certain extent, that is true. I mean, if you're that bad off, that's where you're going to die. But yeah. hopefully, you're going to the hospital to get better, not to die. Exactly. Well, doing doing the work on yourself is kind of like having a car. You got to do all changes. You got to change the air filters. You got to put air in the tires. And that's why you got to go start seeing a doctor when you're young to make sure stuff is maintenance, right? You got to make sure things are working. And, and we forget that we get out, we get our trade and we stop fixing what's up here and what's in our heart. And, and then we end up a mess later on. Right. Well, you know, I went through a life changing event back in 2003 and I, a lot of our listeners have heard the story, but I'm going to repeat it partly for your benefit and everybody else. I was told I, after a series of tests, uh, I'll take it back to the beginning. I was walking in Disneyland and I developed a right foot drop. My foot just wouldn't raise when I was walking. And my wife turned to me and said, what's wrong with you? You know, for once in my life, I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't said anything wrong. I hadn't even thunk anything wrong. So I was sort of taken aback by that statement. I said, what do you mean something's wrong? She said, listen to your foot. And yes, my foot was slapping on the pavement with every step. You know, your foot's supposed to raise automatically. Well, my foot wasn't doing it. So she yeah. said, when we get back, you better get this checked out. Now, if you're in a relationship and, um, or a marriage, and you know when your wife tells you that, Travis. Now, you better listen, right? Yeah. If you don't listen, there's going to be something wrong. So I had every test known to man. I literally had brain scans, cat scans, scat scan scans, you know, just went off the cliff and guess what they showed at the end of the day, Travis? Tell me. Absolutely nothing. There wasn't anything on any of those tests. I was normal. Okay. So the doctors were perplexed. They thought I had a brain tumor or I, I had a slip disc or something. They couldn't find anything. So finally I went to see a neurologist and he told me, you better be sitting down when you're, when I'm telling you this. I said, why? I've got a dropped foot. He says, no, you don't. You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and in six months, you're going to be dead. Get your affairs in order. Well, I shot back, Travis. I said, is there a way to prove this? He said, yes, an autopsy. Right. You know, I, I wasn't going to go there to prove him wrong. So, you know, after all that, I finally found the right diagnosis. And I think we have the right diagnosis now because I've responded to treatment for 17 years. And I remained one of the cos top cosmetic doctors for over 30 years in North America until I retired last year. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, you have to find your own path. When people give you lemons, I think you should make lemonade. You know, yeah. it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens. And I, I think that's what you've redefined here is how people should react to what happens. The old ways are not the good ways anymore. There is a whole new path. Isn't that right? Yeah, hundred percent. So tell us about the path you would like men to be on. Well, it's the path of being more present and more emotional. Um, admitting that, you know, there's more work to be done. Stepping outside of your comfort zone number one, to show that you have, that you have some the ability to be vulnerable and emotional and understand that, okay, you know, women are always known as the emotional creatures in a relationship. Well, the men should be equally emotional. It's a two, it's a two way thing. And if, even if you're a single guy having conversations with guys that allows them to know who you are inside and how you can be more emotional. I mean, we have 
this crazy suicide rate around, among men and this violence rate and abuse rate with men, that if they were more present with themselves and they had more conversations with other men to say, hey, how you doing? Like, what's going on? And, you know, you and I both do these videos. And, and Travis, I'm going to play the of, devil's advocate here. You know, yeah. that makes me really vulnerable. You know, I, that, that makes me very vulnerable. Uh, I don't like that feeling, Travis. I, I'm not going to put myself in a vulnerable position because I don't like being vulnerable. Yeah. Well, that's the stigma around vulnerability, right? That it's a bad thing. But if you realize it, it and guys, they could attribute it. If they looked at it from a different perspective, okay, if you, if you just did, if you just were the guy that drove nails in the two by fours all day long as a, as a guy who built houses, but you never learned how to actually design the rooms and put the other thing. All you would do is drive nails your whole life. You're making yourself vulnerable. For example, as a tradesman, a doctor, whatever you are, by learning new things, you're putting yourself at risk of being better. And guys don't realize that. But I, I think that's the key that. word, Travis. You can't get better without being vulnerable. You yeah. can't make that leap. You know, if you're playing a football game and you want to win it, you can't risk losing it. That's right. If you're playing a hockey game. If you if you want to win it, you have to risk losing it. You uh, got to put all the marbles on the line. Uh, if you're in a relationship, you really have to put the marbles on the line. You have to be vulnerable in that relationship. Otherwise, that relationship is going to fail. That's right. And you and guys, have to let the real self of you inside show. Yeah. And guys do it all the time. Like and and hockey's a perfect example because when you go for the puck and you're in the play and you're going to be the star because you're going to score, you are the most vulnerable person on the ice. You are risking everything. You're risking injury. You're risking embarrassment. You're risking it all. But we're willing to do it at that point because our masculine side comes out, our strong, stoic side. I'm going to get in there and get that goal because the success is great, right? We get to raise our hand. And we forget all about the vulnerability in those situations. But when it comes to real life, the life at home that really counts, guys are afraid to do that. And guys need to learn to step out of that and doing some coaching and doing some, going to some weekend, going to some retreats or going, doing yoga even is something I found like it's, it's highly aerobic. It can be highly aerobic and very good for your body. Like it's incredible. What, and it's just yoga, but it's the stigma around yoga because it's for girls, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, Stepping out of your comfort zone and allowing yourself to be a little more vulnerable and uncomfortable with conversations is something guys need to do more of. Yeah, I think that's the important thing. And, you know, vulnerable is not a four-letter word. Vulnerable is really something that, that people should let themselves get into, even if it is uncomfortable. You know, yeah. exercising is uncomfortable. Yeah. Putting it all on the line every day is uncomfortable. But we readily do it because that's the manly thing to do. Yeah. You know, most guys won't talk things out, but sure as hell, they'll go pound the pavement or they'll go beat somebody up in, a, in the boxing ring or they'll do hockey and, and check somebody. But really, letting their vulnerable self out is, is 10,000 times harder. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Like, and, I, like, and I always go back to the, you know, if you think about the medical profession, guys don't want to go to the doctor because it makes them feel vulnerable. They might have to have a conversation and tell the doctor something that, they don't normally talk about, but there's somebody that's the one person you could tell anything to without any worry because he's literally there to help you, but because you might not like what he's going to say, or you have to change your habits and ways of thinking, you don't want to tell him, right? Yeah, that's right. So you founded a men's club. 
Tell us about the men's club that you found. Yeah, Ignite Your Life Brotherhood is a, a brotherhood, just that. It's where we get together a couple times a month and where it's a safe container where guys can come and talk about what's going on in their life, whether it's like, I'm fighting with my girlfriend, I'm fighting with my wife, I, you know, I, I don't know what to do with my job, or I feel emotionally unavailable, I'm angry all the time, where they can come and talk about this stuff and, and have a conversation with other guys without feeling judged or that you know they can actually let the be vulnerable there but when you're in the when you're in a safe space you feel less vulnerable because it's all other guys in in the group you know in australia they they found um a, uh, i'm a member of a rotary group and for some of the older people of rotary they founded something called the shed shop where guys can go and uh do woodworking stuff they haven't done all their life and yeah. it's really a safe environment for people to hang out in and do their thing, which is a good thing. And I understand there's a shed shop that just started in Alberta recently. I actually know about that. I've read about the one in Australia too. Yeah. So, so yeah. men are starting to come onto their own. And I, I think in all this, men have had a hard time coming onto their own because otherwise we're too domineering. Where we're not listening to the female perspective, or if we're listening to it too much, we're mandy pandering, we're, we're bowing to it too much. So the male identity now is a very, very tough identity. And I will argue with anybody that it's harder to be a man now than ever in our existence. Well, it was easy back then because you just followed the status quo. And now that's not working. This all the all the uh, the issues around following the status quo. The time we're starting to <clears throat> starting to come to light, and now we're having to deal with that generations later. And and it's interesting you talk about the Rotary Club because I joined the Rotary Club a, a year and a half ago myself. And of course, you get up and talk about what you do. And I have this welding business that I've had for fifteen years. But I said I want to talk about coaching, and the your Rotary Club is mostly older, affluent men, and. So one of the guys asked me a question, well, how do you connect, how do you relate to men emotionally? And I saw, I, I said, oh, you really want to know? And, and five minutes later, it was a converse, a very emotional conversation. Men were tearing up and, you know, they were just, they didn't know what to say. And they said, oh, we always thought you were just the welder, the guy with a, a skid steer. And I said, no, I do this other, uh, there's more to me than that because I have other conversations. Yeah, and, and you know, it's easy to get pigeonholed that way. It's very yeah. easy to get pigeonholed because, you know, when I was a cosmetic doctor, that's all anybody would want to talk to me about. They wouldn't want to talk about anything else, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm a very three-dimensional person with a lot of different aspects to me. And, and that is, it's tough to be pigeonholed, you know. Most people think, and, and I'm going to correct me if I'm wrong, that people that are tradesmen are rather unintelligent. They're people that just do their job and, like you said, hammer nails into a piece of wood. Yeah. And that's largely important. That's, and, it, and they get it into their own head that that's what they are. Like when people say, oh, well, well who are you? Oh, I'm, the, I'm a welder. Well, that's what you are. Like you're, what do you mean you're a welder? That's all you do all day. You don't, you don't have any th cognitive thought process outside of that. Yeah, and I, I think people often um, make a mistake of confusing what they do with who they are. And, yeah. and I think that's the hardest thing that people really have to get down, is really understanding who they are. 
and and that is in itself as a whole journey. Now, yeah. to you, Trevor, what does success mean? Success. Well, for I know for a lot of people, it's different things. For me, it's 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 a daily process. Every day when I wake up, there's little successes. Every day I wake up, every day above ground is a success. Every time I meet somebody new, it's a success. Every time I have a good conversation with somebody, that's a success. So I'm, if I'm happy with what I'm doing in my life and I feel like I'm moving forward, then I'm successful. And a lot of people attach, for, for a lot of guys, it's, it's money, it's, it's cars, it's snowmobiles, it's boats, it's the cabin. And, and you know, I just, for me, I've always, I decided a long time ago, number one, no regrets. Number two, that I'm going to impact as many people as I can throughout my life and leave a positive trail behind me, right? So that, because at the end of the day, when you get put in the ground, um, what impact did you leave behind? That's the biggest thing. Like we all want to. And that's what you talk about legacy. Is that not right? That is, that's right. Yeah. That would be your legacy that you've helped enough people along the way that when you go, you're happy, you're, you go happily. You have no regrets. Yeah, absolutely. But I think everybody should start a legacy like that. I'm going to challenge every listener out there to pay it forward. And that's go and do something for somebody else today that you wouldn't regularly do. Get out there and do something. You know, in these days of COVID, that's a very important thing because there might be people shutting their homes. There might be people that can't get their groceries. There might be somebody that can't mow their lawn for Pete's sake. You know, little things that I think if people open their eyes, they realize that this is an opportunity to help people rather than an opportunity to distance. 100%. I, I did something a couple of weeks ago that was very grassroots kind of idea for helping people out. And and uh, in my hometown, there's only about 10,000 people. And so everybody kind of knows who everybody is. And that's the beauty of small towns. And I said, everybody's complaining and down. And and I I've... Have, I'm, the, I'm the kind of person who puts out these videos. So I said, I want to do, um, in part of my English, I wanted to do a give a shit campaign because I told people I give a shit. So I got a trailer load of manure and I put it in front of my house on the street and I put free manure for anybody who wants to come and get some because I give a shit. And people would come and it was a lot of the older people were coming and loading up. And then it was, can I get a load of manure? Can I get, and I, and I said, it's free. I don't want anything for it. Just come and get it. It's something for free. And it was perfect. It was gardening season, you know, and everybody's still talking about it now. And it's, it's something that it's something so simple. Well, you know, it's the little things that make all the difference. And as, as I've said, my philosophy is it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. And I think you've got a similar philosophy, Travis. What is your philosophy? Well, you know, helping men empower themselves to be better people, be more emotional, be more connected. And, you know, I always say that what you do every day makes an impact, right? And it's simple. It's just that simple. I, I think empowerment is a tough word for men. You know, I've seen that a lot in women's circles, that empowerment was something that they aspire to. My co-author, Harriet Tickett, talks about empowerment in young women all the time. But I've really not seen an empowerment group for young men. I've not seen an empowerment issue for men they always the thought is men are always empowered they have always been empowered we don't need to empower them that's so false another myth oh it absolutely is men you know it's I, I think if anything men need to do so much more in that area to 
move the move the needle in their life because like I said, we follow the status quo. Oh, my dad's a carpenter. I'm going to be a carpenter. There's no effort involved. You're just doing what somebody else showed you to do. So you're not really empowered. You're just kind of following the, you're like the lemmings all jumping off the cliff all at the same time. And if that's what the outcome you want, well, great. But don't you want more than that? Isn't there something to just have the house and the boat and the car and the, there's so much more to that story. But it's not all about material goods. It's not, yeah. sure, you think people should certainly try to get some things that make them happy but yeah. it's not all about that I, I think at the end of the day it, the legacy that we give is the legacy we live and it's the legacy we live every day it's not something that is something you aspire to do it's something you do exactly and we're so good at doing all those other things but we all we always forget how to be and do and that's as a process of being and doing, you can have so much more, right? Yeah, and I, I think that's, that's important. So if there's one thing you could do today to help people in their life, business relationships, especially men, what would you do? For a man, I'd say pick up a book. That's, that's, where my, that's where my journey really started. Pick up a book and have conversations with other men about the things that you're reading and doing. Not watch a movie? Not watch TV or a sports match? Yeah. You know, this COVID thing has so, many silver, so much silver lining to it. No sports. You know, a lot of people are, are well, you, I guess you can go on Netflix, but all this stuff's all been interrupted, right? I haven't had cable for three years. And, you know, audiobooks, books, talking to other men and having conversations like this is so much more powerful and has just changed everything. You just don't know the connections you're going to make and that you don't know when one day there might be one thing that you'll say to somebody that will change their life and have a huge impression on them. Well, one of my mentors in this, all this was a fellow by the name of Dan Kennedy and Dan Kennedy is a person that teaches people how to run businesses. And back in the early 1990s, I needed a lot of education in that. I was a good doctor, but I didn't know much about the marketing and anything else. And healthcare had changed back then. So basically I became a cosmetic doctor only because the forces around me forced me to at that time. But Dan had a saying, and his saying was, poor people have big TVs, rich people have big libraries. And I, I, I still say that over and over. Uh, rich people may have big TVs, but it's really the size of their libraries that makes the difference. A person like Bill Gates will devour a book a day or two books a day or three books a day. And I think those are the thoughts that really push people forward. You know, Bill Gates was in on the COVID virus thing before almost anybody else realizing this was a big change. And he gave a lot of his fortune to try and help us and fight it. You know, right now, the biggest problem with COVID is in the world is not COVID. It's the starvation that's going on in half the world because half the world makes enough money every day to live. And without being able to work every day, they're starving. Yeah. And so starvation is a massive, massive problem. I've seen food lines, pictures of food lines in uh, Disney World, in, in Florida, everywhere, because people, again, are not making enough to live every day. Yeah. And now we have, a breakdown, of that whole, we have a breakdown of that whole process now where, you know, restaurants aren't using all the food that we've been using and, you know, they're dumping milk down the drain and 
you know, farmers are selling directly to the people now instead of to processing plants because, you know, they're shutting the processing plant down because COVID. Well, milk is being thrown out. Cheese is being thrown out. Fruits yeah. are rotting in the field. Vegetables yeah. need to be harvested in half the world. And there's no one to do it. Yeah. Yet half the world is unemployed. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. There's such a big maldistribution of things. And there's such a, a, a problem, not just because of, of the COVID, it's the way we do things. Well, we've we've have a mismanagement and a, a, a bad, I guess, uh, thought process around how society should be right now. And it's going almost back to grassroots, but that's the silver lining of this is people are figuring out different ways of doing things. And then we're seeing, oh, we need to fix this and fix this and fix this. And there's, you know, there's gonna be some huge lessons out of all of this. And, and hopefully one of it is that people learn to be more present and more giving and, you know, more, more vulnerable. We've been shown. We've sh this. This. What's happened is we've been shown just how vulnerable we really are. Yeah, and that's what I think is is important here. So, as a as a final message, I, I'd like to say it's not what happens to you; it's what you do with what happens. And part of doing with what happens is understanding who you are, becoming the best you can be, and that includes becoming vulnerable in the process. Absolutely. Yeah, very, very important. So, Travis, if people would like to get in touch with you, how can they do so? There's two ways you can do it. There's uh, menonfire.co, which is my website. And then Men on Fire on my Facebook page, Men on Fire with Travis Belanger. They can send me a message there. And uh, I'd be happy to have a conversation with somebody. So send me a message at either space. Or if you're, if you're a guy and you want to attend one of the events, go to menonfire.co and sign up for one of the events. They're all virtual right now. so Yeah, and I, I think this could very well be a worldwide effort at some point in time, Travis. Problem is it takes a lot of firepower to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And you have to have a, almost clone yourself. Well, I'll tell you something. What's happened in the last six months, I've connected with a group called Dudes with Dogs in Scotland. Uh, I've, I've have a guy that comes on regular, one guy from Washington and one guy from North Carolina. Uh, the one guy from Washington has a, a Facebook page that he does. He talks to snowmobiles all over North America and that's a totally different industry, but those guys are emotional guys too, right? They go through a lot of challenges themselves. And, and the other guy, he's, um, you know, he's just a guy I met on a plane going to North Carolina and we've kept in touch. And so he's actually in another men's group down there that I've connected. You're already cloning yourself. Well, I've got to end this, Travis. I've got another one to go on in just a few minutes. I'm Dr. Alan Lykup. I've written the book called The Secrets of Living a Fantastic Life with my co-author, Harry Atinka. Check back here often as you will have more and more information on that. If you would like to have a golden pearl a week, a golden pearl of wisdom, please text the word Golden Pearls to 1-819-717-2515. Or check me out at my website, drallenlika.com. That's D-R-L-L-E-N-L-I-K-A, L-Y-C-K-A.com. Or if you want my book, go to fantasticlifebook.com. I'd love to share it with you. Bye for now. Thanks for being such a great guest, Travis. Thank you for such a wonderful time. Thank you. Bye for now. I'm Dr. Ellen Laika. Make sure you go to drellenlaika.com. That's D-R-A-L-L-E-N. 
Lyka, L-Y-C-K-A dot com and get a free copy of my book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And subscribe to our podcast on this page so you won't miss a single episode. Every week we have exciting guests to help you have the best life you can.